Hello, it is Christianity and Mental Health, and it's Wednesday in June. And this is our second episode. We hope the first one was helpful. Um, again, I am Rachel. And I am Will, here to give the uh, younger generation's perspective. And just as a reminder, um, I am a clinical psychologist who's had 22 years in practice and seen about 10 or 12,000 clients. And certainly we talk about mental health in general, but we also wanted to just speak directly to the Christian community um, just to encourage people. Um, We know after COVID and just a lot of social unrest that people have been struggling with issues of mental health. And uh, so Will and I wanted to come together and do this podcast. And like he said, I'm 54 and he's 27. So it just gives two different generations perspectives on um, some of the things I've learned over the years. So last week we began with the issue of setting up or thinking uh, seriously about your worldview as the cornerstone of building strong mental health. So this week, We want to talk about what do you do with hardship? So when difficulties come into your life, like real true blue hard difficulties, illness or a loss or death or a worldwide pandemic, um, how can we be resilient and face those hardships um, with some with some hope and some good 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 coping skills? So Will and I both share a fairly large family trauma that we both went through years ago. And so when our my youngest son, John, who's now 24, was eight, he was diagnosed with leukemia, which is pediatric cancer, and Will was about 11 at that time. So Will, do you remember any ways that, you know, specific things you worried about or um, ways that you coped at that time? Uh, I remember a little bit. I, you know, it... I was 11, so it was almost 20 years ago at this point. Wait, 15 years ago. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Math was never my strong point either. But I do remember, uh, to your guys' credit, you kept things running as smoothly as you could with a son who was getting chemotherapy, steroids, and all that. I do remember that was probably around the time I really fell into the cooking thing. That is something I do a lot. I did it on TV for a few years. Uh, one, because since people were gone a lot, I was going to be home alone and have to kind of figure it out. And it was a good way to get out of the rooms where John was feeling ill. Yes. And I think it was also a way to feel like life was still normal, right? Yes. <clears throat> you were moving forward. So we come at this um, with a little bit, unfortunately for us, um, background in what kind of real hardship feels like. Um, And so here are a few of the things that I learned that are really kind of coping skills for when hardship comes into your life. Um, To me, when hardship comes in or real disaster, um, and really even with smaller hardships, it's a two-step process. And if you skip either one of these steps, you kind of really get stuck in a wrong direction. So here are the two steps. The first is to allow yourself to say, this stinks. Like, I hate this. There is nothing I like about this. I do not want this in my life. And you really are able to say, this is not a good thing and I'm really upset. The second step is then to say, but what's still good? You know, so what is still good? If you skip either one of those steps and get stuck in one or the other, you tend not to deal with things well. So if you get stuck on the first step, you know, and you are just there in the darkness, upset, saying my life will never be good again, there's nothing good in my life, you can imagine how devastating that is to someone's mental health or morale. However, 
If you skip over the hardship and just act like everything's fine all the time, oh, everything's great, then typically things do not go well either. I remember one time when John was on early treatment, which was pretty hard, um, you know, so I was overwhelmed. I remember driving down the street and seeing this just beautiful tree, bright red in the fall. And I thought, even though John's on cancer, that is still beautiful. So you start with just that little, those little things, and then you say, it's all right to complain, it's all right to say, I hate this, or this is really hard, and then the second half is to say, but what is still good? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's where like your cooking videos will, like when you say we kept life going, we wanted, you know, the cancer was serious, and we had to wipe off the remote controls every day and the doorknobs, and everybody had to wash their hands when they came in, and John had to have treatment. But you guys also were still brothers, still did fun things, still went to school. Yes. And, uh, you know, those were that's kind of the truth of living and suffering with both sides. So some really like specific techniques other than the two-step process. One is when you are in the middle of a difficult crisis, a real hardship. I lived by what I called the six-hour rule. So when my son was in the worst of the chemotherapy, I would tell myself, you're not allowed to think of anything outside of six hours. So when I got up in the morning, I couldn't think of anything past lunch, from lunch to dinner, dinner to bedtime, and then get up the next morning. I always tell people, use time to help you. So say like, you know, I'm living in this moment, everybody's okay right now, so I'm not gonna think about the procedure he has to have on Friday, because that is just time travel. And as someone said, Regret and worry are useless because they're both time travel. With regret, you travel into the past. With worry, you travel into the future. And so I lived first by the six-hour rule, and it really taught me something about being grateful for what was good in the moment. And that moves into the second coping skill, and this is totally biblical, and I actually call it the manna principle. So when the Jews were in the desert, and they had gotten out of slavery, and then they go into the desert, and they don't have any food or water, and they actually say, we wish we were back in Egypt, you know, where they were slaves, because at least we had meat there. And in the book of Exodus, we see that God sends them manna, which was a kind of bread and quail, every day for 40 years. But this is the rule. He says, you can collect enough manna for that day, And if you store up more, like you try to hog it for days ahead, it will go rotten. And that's what happened is people would try to hog it up because they were scared and it would go rotten. And so I really lived or learned what I call the manna principle, that you should be grateful for the blessings of the moments and day that you're in and not try to hog up certainty for the future because that just makes you miserable. So when you are in true hardship, First, you allow yourself to be upset about it, complain about it, and then you ask yourself, what's still good? Then for whatever the hardship is, you look at a time frame, like what time frame can I live in that's helpful? And then you live by the manna principle and you say, can I enjoy the blessings God is giving me today and not try to hog them up for the future? Um, Those are just some initial steps about hardship and how to deal with them on a real practical basis. What do you think, Well, Did you think I was doing all that when uh, John was on treatment? 
I uh, absolutely think so. I do remember, obviously, especially those for that first year, there was a lot of worry about where is this going to go. I think to say we were probably blessed from the beginning, knowing that unless we just did nothing, he was going to be okay, which you know helps, but it doesn't help a lot, a lot. <laughs> right, and uh, you know, and I think that these methods can be used at any level, right? So it can be flunking a test, yes, you know, and say like this really stinks but what's still good, right? So maybe I flunked the test, but I have a B in the class. You know, it can be used in a breakup in a relationship. Like, I really didn't want that to happen. I wanted to stay with that person, but what's still good in my life? Um, You know, anytime I think you're facing hardship, you can say, hey, wait a minute, all I know is what's going on right now. And we tend to predict when we don't feel good, we tend to catastrophize, which means take something to a catastrophe. Yes. And so by saying, wait a minute, what do I know? And it's what happened in the past and today that we can actually, most of the time we can look around and go, hey, right now is okay. Right. I actually think to use a John Cantor example is the summer, first summer he was on treatment, we wound up not going to our big family reunion. And I remember that being kind of a downer for me because it had been kind of a hard school year with the cancer stuff, among other things. And, you know, that that kind of hurt. But then I believe we all took a very nice camping trip in the camper we had purchased recently, which I don't know if that like completely equaled the family reunion, but it was still a nice, fun thing we could do. Absolutely. I think that's a great point, Will, that hardship can change your life that you might not have the options that you had in the life before the hardship or even in the moment, but that there's still good things in there. One really hard topic I often face in my office is the loss of a spouse. And, you know, I say to people, you are correct. You will never have your number one choice again, right? You, that person being with you, you no longer, that choice is kind of now off the menu. And so what you look at is what good choices, although secondary, are still left over to you. And, you know, I think that that is the reality of life. That was the reality of the Jews in the desert, oh, right? Yeah. They were they were slaves and then they were wandering for 40 years because of their because of hardships that came on them from other people because of their own complaining. And so I think the Bible is a very good guide for mental health because it doesn't try to gloss over human suffering. I mean Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, he's the son of God and he's there sweating, you know, like drops of blood saying if there's some other way to do this, please let it be done. And so I think the Bible is a very good guide, especially in the areas of suffering. We look at Job, um, you know, many different characters in the Bible that shows us that God understands the reality of it. He knows it's hard and he also gives us hope. And so um, I think those kind of steps of, you know, looking at both the hardship and what's still good using time to help you living in the moment you're in is everything good right now. And then looking at the manna principle, can I just be grateful and, and hold on to the blessings of the day I'm in and not try to hog certainty for the future? That those all are just helpful steps in dealing with real hardship. And then of course, there is community, there is you know um, family, there is our people to talk to, there is prayer. All those things are also helpful in suffering. Definitely. And it, it was also very helpful, like during our time of suffering, you and dad were always very open about, we can talk about this, da-da-da-da-da. 
Yes. And, you know, try to keep everything on track. I do remember a particular discussion of, you know, you know, if it, this is hard, I get it. However, do not, you, you know, and you can take a day off of school if you need to, but don't use it as an excuse to not go to school, which I probably needed to hear, to be honest, because I probably would have used the suffering everybody else to my advantage in fifth grade. Wait, did I say that to you? Yes. Oh, I was kind of hardcore. Well, I think, you, <laughs> I, I think you knew me well enough to know. <laughs> that, that, might, that that might happen. Yes. Um, yeah, so we really just want to give these these guidelines to people out there as, as just tools to use if they're helpful to you. Certainly, if you are suffering and feel like it is really a pit you cannot get out of or you cannot see good, that is not a shameful thing. There are people to reach out to at churches, therapists. Here at Providence, we have a Stevens ministry where people will pray with you, sit with you, talk with you. Um, and so it's never shameful if you can't see the good. Um, it's just helpful to try to look for it. Um, but certainly here at Providence Church, we have lots of resources for people who may be really, really suffering. Um, and so again, as we wrap up today, I just want to remind you that if you have questions or specific topics you would like to um, share with us, you can email those to... Yes, will at Providence HHI. And to talk a little bit more about something we just talked about with Stephen Ministers, uh, in the description, I will put the link to our province Stephen Minister information. However, if you are someone who is listening not on Hilton Head Island or within the vicinity, I will also put a link to show you where you can find a Stephen Minister in your area. There will also be links to our social medias, Facebook and YouTube live streams, and you can join us live and in person at 8.30 and 10.30 every Sunday here on Hilton Head Island or on our Facebook and YouTube live stream. Links are all down in the description. <laughs> Yes, and if you're in the area, our Facebook page is very active and just a great way to see um, community events we do as well as church events. And we'd love to have you visit us if you don't have a church home of your own. All right, everyone. See you next Wednesday.